Write to be Read podcast, episode number 90. Interview with Liston Witherell. Did you know there's a new place to sell your audiobooks besides ACX and Audible? There is Buck Books. Authors, I know most of your audiobooks are sold exclusively through ACX, but on any new books you have, a one-day sales pit stop at Buck Books is a no-brainer. When your narrator finishes your audiobook, send us the files and we will feature it to tens of thousands of our active subscribers and growing for one day only. You get some great sales and the very next day you can upload it exclusively to ACX. This is a great way to help offset the cost of production on a new audiobook and start building a strong relationship with the world's hottest free book promotion service, Buck Books. Not sure how to go about getting your book made into an audiobook or having trouble deciding if audiobook production is right for you? With an audiobook team of 10 and the lowest production cost around, Buck Books is ready to help you finally add this lucrative format to your author portfolio and sell it too. For more information, send an email to john at buckbooks.net. That's john, J-O-H-N, at buckbooks.net. You are listening to the Right to be Read podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Right to be Read podcast. I'm your host, Annie Alexander, and I would like to thank you once again for spending part of your day with me and for listening to my podcast. Today, we will be having an interview, and I've uh, called in a person with whom we will be discussing writing. But it won't be really the writing that we used to talk about before. So it's not about writing Books. It's not about fiction. It's not about nonfiction. It's about a completely different type of writing. And what it is about, you will find out once we start this episode. So let's go ahead and see what I really mean. My today's guest is Liston Witherell. And he's someone who in 2014 walked away from a CMO position at a 10 million company to start his own thing. And two months before leaving, he was totally booked already in his consulting business. And uh, Liston is a trained conversion copywriter. And not every one of you may know what it is exactly. That is why let's dive into the interview and get all the explanations we need and also try to find out what is copywriting and how to use it as an author. Uh, hello, Liston. Welcome to the Right to be Read podcast. I'm really happy to have you over. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. I really love internet and and creating relationships with people because they lead you to another people and we, we actually got introduced by a common friend online so it's it's really nice to find out how kind of you know one step leads to another and you end up having so many great people to know. I totally agree. Networking works. Yeah. Maybe that's our first lesson of the show. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I... I was kind of impressed by what you are doing and what kind of results you've gotten so far. So I, I will leave that to you. I would like you to kind of, you know, tell my audience what you are doing and what's your story about how you've got there. Great. Yeah, sure. So my name's Liston Witherell. I run a company called Good Funnel. Uh, my website is goodfunnel.co.co. And uh, I focus on marketing strategy and copywriting and building funnels in particular. So uh, what that means for most of the people that I work with is if you're selling something online or trying to attract leads online that would turn into a sales cycle, um, I can help you. And so what I really focus on in that whole process, first and foremost, is getting to know someone's customers. And, um, and I should say clients, actually, if anyone here is familiar with Jay Abraham, they would know the difference. But, um, you know, my first goal is really to understand people because, um, as you point out, the internet is a great way to connect with people. But I think that one thing that often gets lost in 
spending time on the internet is that there is someone else on the other end of that. Um, it's an actual person. It's not an algorithm. It's not a software bot. There's an actual person there. And uh, when we talk about building our business or trying to sell a book or whatever it is that uh, someone is trying to do, I think we all need to remember that we're trying to get in touch with and connect with and change the lives, not to be too cliche, of actual real people. Um, Mm -hmm. So how did I get here? That is an interesting story, depending on who you ask, of course. (laughs) Uh, The short story is that I have been involved with technology from a very young age. Uh, My dad was building custom computers and doing consulting around databases and computers back in the early 80s, actually, um, before computers were really a thing. I didn't, when he started out, I didn't know anybody else who had a computer in their household. Um, And if you can imagine this, Annie, um, back then, a 20 megabyte hard drive weighed about... um, 15 pounds. It was about half the weight of the computer. Wow. <laughs> and it cost about five or $600. Um, and to put that in context, that's the equivalent of about five or six MP3s today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we've come a long way and I've been around the technology for ages. Um, and so I started building computers when I was about 12 or 13 years old and getting into it myself and really just being enamored with this machine that you could put together out of a bunch of parts that would uh, process really complicated things. And it, it allowed us to do a lot more work than we could otherwise do um, and maybe higher level work. So fast forward a little bit, um, I uh, ended up in the music industry for a while um, and you know, one of my big attractions to music was, again, connecting with people, making something that had an emotional connection with other people and a way to communicate with them that was fast and interesting and made them want to dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and, and also, of course, being on stage is an amazing feeling. I don't know if you've ever had that opportunity, but anybody uh, who does... Not yet, but I can only imagine how good it may feel. <laughs> Well, have you ever done public speaking? Uh, yes, some. <laughs> right. And so that can be really, really scary. Um, and your hands sweat and your heart is pounding and you go over your notes five million times. Um, but when it goes well and people say, wow, thank you so much, I never thought about it like that. It's just such an incredible feeling to be able to communicate and connect with people. Um, and so that was really my draw to music, um, but ultimately decided the music business was not something I wanted to be involved with. Um, so I went back to school. Um, I studied economics and um, environmental management of all things. And I ended up in the environmental industry. Again, the common thread here is I was really driven to understand people and what makes them choose to do certain things? Um, how do they make decisions? Uh, And so while I was in the environmental industry, I was running the marketing department for a $10 million company. And, um, you know, I connected uh, the most with the people that I met there. And um, again, how people were making decisions to undertake environmentally beneficial projects, um, which led me all the way back to internet marketing. And, um, you know, what I did was just focus on how people are making decisions, what's, you know, sort of what makes them happy, what are they afraid of, um, why do they buy or not buy, Um, and that is really my attraction to marketing. That is the undercurrent of, I would say, my entire life is really to understand people and use these machines, uh, computers, and, you know, now we have smartphones and tablets, but use those machines to help communicate in a way that I couldn't otherwise to amplify my message. And so um, that is the somewhat short roundabout way of how I got here. Yeah, well, I mean, you've gone a a long way, I may say. (laughs) And it's it's really uh, interesting how many different things you've done. But as you mentioned, like people were the the, like the linking element of uh, underlying uh, for each 
thing you've done so far. So um, funnels and um, online marketing and the things you're doing for your clients, Mm -hmm. is this about understanding people and their behavior or it's also about how to uh, form and present the message you want to to give to those people? Um, Yeah, so I think what you mentioned, and that's an excellent question, uh, what you mentioned are two separate activities, but to me it's the same thing. So, you know, my first uh, part of my process always is a ton of research. I want to learn about... Let's put it in context for um, whoever is listening. Mm-hmm. I want to learn about who your readers are. Um, you know, what other books do they buy? Why do they buy them? What do they think of those books? Um, you know, uh, what? How often do they read? When do they read? Um, <laughs> you know, what are their favorite books? I want to know all about them first, and then, as you point out, it's really about um, constructing a message that aligns both with the person who you're expecting to sell to, um, but also with whatever your solution or product is. So your book, in this case, um, we want to make sure that we're presenting the book in such a way that it resonates with the main things that people need to know about it. Um, Because, as you know, I mean, when you write a book, you can say a lot of different things about it. You can talk about its genre, you can talk about its length, you can talk about how difficult it is to read, you could talk about what other books it's similar to, mm-hmm. um, you could talk about the past books you've written, you could talk about yourself if if you're in a, a nonfiction um, kind of niche, particularly business, you, you know, you would want to develop some personal credibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but we take all of those things and then we develop the message based on what people need to know. And often, you know, we're, we're asking what's persuading them to make a choice. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what I mean. Um, it's, it's really about first getting a very clear understanding of who that person is and being able to walk a mile in their shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and second, being able to match up whatever it is that we're trying to present them in such a way that uh, they totally get it. I see. Well, I mean, the results of the research, uh, I can imagine that are uh, extremely valuable, which brings me to the question like, should the author do this before he starts writing his book or when he already has written it? Um, <laughs> that's such a great question. Um, I, I don't want to, uh, how can I put this? I, I don't want to sit up here and say, I know the best process for someone to write a book because I definitely don't. Um, There are lots of different ways to do it and lots of people have been successful. One way of approaching it certainly is what you're pointing out, which is to go out and figure out, you know, what, what do people want to read and then write a book that people want to read. Now, I know that, you know, me personally being creative myself, particularly when I sit down to make my music, I don't necessarily want to take that into account. I just want Mm -hmm. to make whatever I think is good, um, and then hopefully someone will like it. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say that it's hard to do a commercial endeavor without taking into account what the buyer wants. Does that make sense, Andy? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, Yeah, so... I think that's a tough thing. Um, you know, I, I have a friend, a really close friend of mine who's still in music, and that's been a tough thing for him to do, is to move closer to just responding to whatever it is that the market wants, right? Because there's mm-hmm. trends and what people want change over time, which is going to affect your catalog and how it comes out. Um, and it may feel at times a little bit dishonest or less than authentic in just responding to what people want. Now, for me, um, when I sit down to write a blog or do a podcast with you or do a webinar with another company, you know, I am 110% concerned with what that audience wants to hear in the context of whatever I can share that's valuable to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it doesn't hurt Um, And I think you increase your likelihood of 
creating something that the market wants if you understand what they want before you go in and create. Yes, I agree with that. And there's a whole, you know, uh, way of conducting business now that's um, written on this very topic, and it's called the Lean Startup uh, Movement. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Eric Reese Mm -hmm. writes all about how you should just make something that your customers want. Steve Blank has been saying that for years, too, uh, both of them in tech. Um, So, you know, that's one approach, but um, I also, you know, I I wonder, does... uh, Stephen King, one of the most prolific authors of our time, sit down and wonder what does the market want before he writes? <laughs> Probably not. Um, I, I, you know, yeah, he I don't says think writers he does. <laughs> right, and he says writers write. So I think his stance would be write a bunch of stuff, um, write a lot of books. Some of them will work out great. Others are going to be terrible, and you'll. You, you know, you'll admit it and maybe you'll never release them. Um, but keep writing and through that exercise, you'll become a better writer. And then selling them could be treated as a separate thing. Mm-hmm, I see. So since we've got into uh, the topic of writing, um, let's investigate that for a while. Um, I was, uh, I mean, as self-published author, we kind of end up uh, writing different things like you know you write your book first of all of course and later on for that book specifically you have to come up with this book description you have to come up with the emails that you're writing to your uh, potential readers to your email list you have to come up with with different texts uh, which you want to put on the website for that book etc and apparently I mean many people think that if you are a writer and if you are a creative person and you're good with words, you can uh, write well all these different formats of things. And apparently the practice shows that, you know, it's a different kind of writing. Copywriting is something completely different. And even if you are a good writer, you may be a terrible copywriter, which will definitely damage a lot your future success with selling the book, actually. So let's kind of, you know, try to understand what's the difference between the writing and the copywriting and uh, what are the basic copywriting kind of basic rules that one should just keep in mind and not forget while switching his brain into that type of writing. Um, yeah, so l- let me give you an oversimplified rule of thumb, uh, and that is that copywriting is not creative writing mm-hmm. in the sense that when I approach copywriting, again, I'm 100% concerned with what the reader thinks and feels. Um, so, you know, when I do creative writing myself, um, I'm looking for my own emotional uh, connection and looking to put myself into that work. Um, With copywriting, I'm much more interested in what the reader needs to know. Um, And, you know, I think that that's a huge distinction because really also, you know, another big distinction is with copywriting, we always have a goal of getting someone to do something very specific, a discrete action, a behavior that we can observe and measure. Um, With creative writing, not necessarily. So copywriting, the point of it is to drive someone to an action. Now, that may be landing on your website and signing up for your newsletter. That may be downloading the first chapter of your book. That may be um, actually buying your book, right? But at each stage, every piece of copy should have a job to do and an action that we're expecting someone to accomplish at the end of it. Um, you know, I, I think with copywriting, and luckily books are a relatively low-priced purchase, and so there's less of a copywriting challenge. Um, overall, for someone who's going to write, um, especially multiple books, I think the, the point of the exercise to me would be to develop an audience and to develop people who will pay attention to what you say as an author and buy your books Yes, because they're good, but also because they really like you and they, for whatever reason, they're connecting with who you are and what it is that's special and unique about you. Um, And so in the copy, we want to sell that. 
um, which I think for a lot of people is a mental hurdle to be very self-promotional mm-hmm. and to to tell the world, you know, I'm different because, and there's no one else out there like me, and here's why. Uh, I think for a lot of people, that's a really, really difficult thing to do. I think what you'll find, though, is as you reach more and more people, some percentage of people will just connect with you. And that's, you know, so be yourself, be authentic, be real. Um, And the people who do connect with you are going to be a long-term fit and possibly a really, really loyal fan over a long time. Mm -hmm. So so let's get into the nuts and bolts of copywriting. You know, I think, Annie, the number one mistake I see over and over again is that in copy, people talk about themselves and all... I'm oversimplifying again, but um, you're only giving me 20 minutes to teach this. (laughs) Um, You know, I I think that copy should be focused 90% of the time on the reader and what they want. What does the customer want? Why why would they buy this? How would it affect them? Um, So if you're using the words I, me, we, our in your copy – you're probably not talking directly to your customer or to your reader. Um, so you're going to want to use the word you um, or your, like you're, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to like this because. Um, I'm sorry, I just thought because it's very linked to what you're saying. I, I'm just wondering, in that case, how do you cover the part of why they should get it from you specifically? Why you? What would the alternative be? Uh, I don't know. Anyone else offering something similar? I see. Um, so you're not saying, why buy from me directly via Gumroad or my shopping cart? You're saying, um, why buy this book versus the other you know, 100 million books out there? Mm-hmm. <sighs> That's a good question. Um, so, you know, I think that... Because th- I was th- just wondering, I mean, the, the person who reads your copy, he's kind of, you know, he's having a choice, right? He's, mm-hmm. he, I mean, he can buy your book or he can buy someone else's book. And if you are not a famous name yet, and he, if it's the first time that the person kind of gets connected to you and sees what you offer i mean he might wonder why he should really try your book and not go ahead and buy a well-known bestseller instead for example yeah so um okay there's a lot in there and that is a fantastic question thank you for asking it um you know i i think that if you're totally unknown um, there, there are lots of cues that we use and we copywriters and social scientists and psychologists, um, and ad men, right. <laughs> or mad men. Um, we think about what are those cues and rules of thumb or heuristics that people use in order to make decisions. Um, and I swear this is relevant. So you see this on Amazon all the time, right? In the book description, it's not only telling you what the book is about and how you may, um, you know, an overview of what the story is, but it will also show you, here are some notable names that you might recognize who have reviewed the book and said that it's good, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one thing that we use is, can we develop social proof, um, which is a fancy way of saying other people say it's good, um, can we use social proof in order to convey that we have something that is worth your time? So you see this all the time on websites. Um, So one of the challenges there, of course, is the chicken or the egg. If I'm unknown, how am I going to get someone known to review my book? Well, that's where the marketing comes in. Um, You're just going to have to ask. So, you know, I think that um, having reviews from other people that a reader may recognize within your genre, whatever that, whoever is important to that audience, mm-hmm. um, having them review or comment even a one sentence about your book, even if they say it's terrible, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it's better than not having anybody 
on there at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing is social proof and having uh, a testimonial or some sort of um, endorsement of your book. Um, you know, another thing is what I would call risk reversal. So when you're unknown, okay, let's go back to the Stephen King example because I think everybody will get it. When he comes out with a book, I would guess that there is a group of probably millions of people, no matter what, no matter what the reviews say, um, even if he says, this is the worst book I've ever written, but my publisher made me put it out, those people are still going to buy it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because they know who Stephen King is and what his work looks like. Um, if you're unknown, you don't have that, right? So there's inherently quite a bit of risk f- on the buyer's shoulders whenever they buy. And what they're thinking is, not only do I not want to lose my $9 or whatever you're charging for your book, um, but they're also thinking, I don't want to lose my time. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm going to spend time writing or, or I'm sorry, reading a book, uh, I want it to be a good book and I want it to be worth my time and I want it to be something that is thought provoking and entertaining and relaxing or whatever someone's looking to get out of your book. So one way to reverse that risk early on is to release the book for free or give away part of it for free or turn it into a short story that you give away for free that you then lead people to purchase the full thing. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about free for a second. A um, couple pros and cons with free. The pro, of course, is that um, you know there's virtually no barrier for someone to get it. You've reversed the risk such that the only possible risk for that buyer, if they decide to read it, is the time that they're going to spend. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have significantly changed that whole equation. They're much more likely to say, okay, I'll give it a try, um, which is what we want. Um, and so what I would say is if I was completely unknown and I published a book, which I'm working on right now, um, I'm going to make it free early on. And then I'm going to ask all of those people to write reviews for me. Mm-hmm. Again, back to social proof. In Amazon, are we more likely to buy a book with, you know, 75 three and a half star on average reviews or one five star review? And usually it's the products that have more reviews yeah. because it's it's not only conveying that um it's not only conveying the actual experience of using the product, but when we have a higher number of those reviews, it's conveying a lot of people have done this. Um, and so therefore, there must be some market recognition for this. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's one of the benefits of giving it away for free. Obviously, the downside of giving it away for free is A, you're missing out on revenue. Um, probably not that much, let's be honest. Um, and B, I think much more importantly, is people don't really value things that are free, right? They, yeah. they equate the value to zero. Mm-hmm. And so if you give it away for free, it's very unlikely that they're actually going to read it. Um, so that's a downside. So maybe you, you mess with the idea of charging $1 for it in the beginning or charging $3 for it rather than 9 um, and so it's you're lowering that risk of buying the book um, and increasing the likelihood that someone's going to um, read it and potentially review it. And you need a process in place for reviewing. Mm-hmm. Does that answer your yeah. question, Annie? Yeah, yeah, it does. So okay. I was just wondering, when you are writing, let's say, the text, the description or, or like the Amazon blurb of your book, um. Do you, I mean, what are the possible scenarios? Do you write about what the book is about? Or do you write, uh, do you kind of, you know, put many questions and intrigue the readers readers so they want to read more and find out what happens? Or um, do you uh, kind of, I mean, what are the different tactics that you can use in order to kind of, you know, arouse curiosity or or just, you know, make them just push that buy button? Yeah, great question. Um, So in, if we're just talking about that description field, um, 
you know, I think that one of the most important things you can do is to do your book justice and to really describe very clearly about what the book is about, um, who it's for. Um, so you can say, you know, this is a insert genre of the book. Um, you can even say, you know, what's, you can build a personal story in there, what your inspiration was, why you decided to write it. You can even make up a story mm-hmm. <laughs> since it's fiction mm-hmm. about um, why you wrote it or maybe some of the conditions that led you to write the book. Um, you know, I think what's most important there is to be intriguing. And uh, one thing that I would tell everybody listening to this is that, um, you know, Hollywood movie trailers are very masterful at giving you just enough information to want to see the movie, but not enough to understand fully what the movie is about. Yeah. Um, and so that that is a good model. You know, I would generally, um, I, I should say genuinely suggest to everybody, you want to have some sort of cliffhanger. Um, and by cliffhanger, what I mean is, in the conclusion of your description, you want to give people enough information so that they understand what the book is about, but you want to give them half of the information for the next part, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so you want to leave this sort of a suggestion that, wait, there's more or there's something that we haven't covered here, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you, and that's what creates the curiosity, right? Is we're giving people, we're letting them know, I'm giving you a piece of information, but I'm only going to give you part of it. Um, and so naturally human beings want to, we don't want to be in this loop of trying to figure out what it is. We want to close it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a common tactic on television all the time. Yeah. At the end, um, they tell you just enough to know why you would want to watch the next episode, but you need to watch it in order to resolve that why. Yeah, yeah, clear. So um, let's talk about, uh, in that case, um, I mean, we, we all know how important the email lists are. And most of the authors yeah. are trying to create pages and give out some something for free uh, in order to get the email addresses of their potential readers. And um, writing to those people the, from the email list whom you don't really know, at least in the very beginning, un- unless you you are you know skillful enough to create some engagement. In in that um, starting phase, it's very difficult to come up with the right kind of balance of being personal and at the same time uh, maybe professional and at the same time maybe friendly. And, you know, how, how do you deal with this dilemma? Like, how do you choose in which style and how to approach those very, very first uh, email subscribers. Yeah, so the way I deal with it is I just don't think about it that much, <laughs> to oh, okay. be totally honest with you. Um, and here's why. Um, you know, there's, I forget what the number is, uh, some number of trillions of websites out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I heard in the last week someone describe the chance of someone else arriving on your website organically as a cosmic accident. <laughs> there, it, it's sort of like, you know, throwing a baseball and trying to hit a star out in the galaxy. Like the fact that someone would find us on the web um, in the early days where we're not on hundreds or thousands of other websites linking back to us Mm -hmm. is really, really unlikely, right? So what is the experience of that person when they land on your website is something that you really need to think about. And if you worry too much about being quote-unquote professional, which I think is usually code for boring Mm -hmm. because you're really trying not to offend anybody, right? Yeah. That's kind of the key to, to the whole idea of being professional is we don't want to offend people. Now, if you go in with that mindset, you're going to sound like everybody else and there's going to be no reason for people to come back to you. Um, Let me put that another way. 
everybody who is selling something or in business or writing books is a person. Everybody who reads books is a person. We like to connect with other human beings, which means let your personality come through and be conversational in the copy that you use. If you're not, again, you're going to be like everybody else and there's going to be no reason for someone to come back. So in terms of building an email list, you know, one of the keys for me is to write content that people care about. Um, if you could go other places, this podcast would be a perfect place for someone listening to this if you want to become known as an author, right? And to talk about maybe your process or what did you do to market your book that's different mm -hmm. or what are your struggles? How do you deal with writer's block? All these kinds of things. People want to know that. Um, and so I think what you need to do is start writing and producing content that's going to draw people into your story. And that may be an episodic story about how you're writing your first book or how you're writing your fifth book or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but you're giving people content and a reason to come back and pay attention to what it is that you have to say. Um, if you have something that you give away to people, that will, I'm not kidding, overnight, give you a 3x on your conversions in building your email list. Um, just give away anything. <laughs> Whatever you have on day one, it's you're going to be um, a little embarrassed by it and you're going to know that it's not perfect and that means you're on the right track. That means that it's time to put it out to the world and let them download it um, and start building your email list that way. So that could be a summary of your book. Um, and so if people download your summary and you can see that they're either coming back to your website, which is a little bit more sophisticated, or you can just see that they're opening your future emails, you know that person is interested in what you have to say and what you're doing. Um, so you're on the right track. So in terms of building the email list, I think you need a couple things. One is um, multiple ways of people opting into your list on your site. So that doesn't mean one subscribe box on your blog page. That means a subscribe box that's scroll triggered. That means a box that pops up. That means, um, you know, things that you're giving away that people mm -hmm. can download. Mm -hmm. um, all, all of these things together is what gets more people to convert. So um, there's a great company called leadpages.net and yeah. I'll link to it um, on my site. Um, and, you know, on their, I think it's their blog page, um, in the first area above the fold and maybe one full scroll down, they have somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 opt-in opportunities. Now, I'm not saying that everybody in this audience needs to think like lead pages um, because you shouldn't, um, but it's just to demonstrate the point that you need to give people lots of ways to stay in touch with you and lots of reasons to do it. And you need to make it really, really, really easy because people have the attention span of a goldfish, literally, actually less. Our <laughs> attention span is about eight seconds. Um, <laughs> think about that. That's kind of scary when you're trying to sell a 300-page book, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but when we're online... Our attention span is minuscule, right? So we want to make it super, super easy for people to understand that they can stay in touch with us and here's why and here's what you'll get out of it. Um, so that's, I'd say, first and foremost, list building strategy for me. Um, there's a great plugin out there called Sumo Me for anybody with basically any type of website. I know most listeners will have a WordPress site mm -hmm. and it works famously well with WordPress, but it's a free plugin that allows you to um, set up capture of email addresses in several places on your site for free. And it's really valuable and um, I've seen site-wide opt-ins, particularly after big events, um, as high as 20% on my site. Um, mm -hmm. So it's which is, you know, astronomical. For most sites, I would guess they're more in like the, you know, 2 to 3% range. And on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm getting something like 6 to 8%. Um, so, you know, if you think about that in context, in terms of building your list, first hurdle is build it. Next hurdle is what do I do afterwards? 
don't worry about the afterwards. I find that a lot of people um, become uh, petrified, for lack of a better word, with how how to start because they're thinking about steps five, six, seven, eight. And the key is just to start and figure it out as you go because mm-hmm. you're going to change. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're building that list in the early days, you know, if you got a thousand visitors in a month and you were able to capture 8% of them every month, that's 80 people on your email list. You know, over the course of a year, that's 960 people, close to a thousand people. Um, that's a lot better than zero. And so, you know, I think the key is just to do it in the early days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely agree. And I, I always kind of advise doing this even before you um, you start writing the book, just, you know, from day one, once you decide that you're going to write a book, you can already start building your email list. So by the time it's ready and out there, you already have people to talk to. You know, and then once you're building the email list, I think you need to not I think, you need to have a process to stay in touch with them. And so whatever it is that you're using to entice people to sign up to that email list, you're going to want to stay in touch with them after that. Mm -hmm. And I would say good rule of thumb is minimum send one broadcast email to everybody every month. Um, So one broadcast email every month is a good rule of thumb just to keep them up to date and to let them know, hey, I still exist. I'm still working on this thing, whatever the thing is, or here's what's going on in my life that's relevant to you. We want to add value to the people we're emailing. Um, And so, you know, I I think that that's another thing that falls apart is um, it's great to start building the email list and by all means do that today if you're not doing it. Um, but you also need a process to stay in touch with them. And I think a good starting place is one email every month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. So um, I will ask a quite strange question, but it just came to my mind and I have to ask it. So, <laughs> so I was just wondering, um, I mean, writing and self-publishing a book, if you want to have a good quality book, which does not differentiate too much from the traditionally published books, you have to spend quite a lot of money in terms of, you know, the cover and the formatting and the layout, etc., the editing mostly, etc., etc. So I was just wondering if one is not very good and I mean, if if um, you haven't done it for a while, you shouldn't be that good in copywriting. Um, how cost-effective it is outsourcing the copywriting for your book? I mean, uh, wh- what kind of difference would you want to see? And I mean, what type of investment it is? What they will get out of it if they just, you know, give it to a professional to deal with? Great question. Um, and, you know, I'm going to answer it with lots and lots of qualifiers. So, you know, the first thing to answer you is um, it depends on where you're starting. So I had a client um, who's an author. Um, he writes nonfiction. But um, in the first month, so I, I'm sorry, let me give you a little bit more background. He writes nonfiction. Um, he's in um, education. And uh, he was selling a coaching service, and that coaching service wasn't going very well for him, so he needed someone to rewrite the sales page. He has thousands and thousands of downloads already. He's making almost a full-time equivalent um, selling his three books Mm -hmm. in addition to his day job. Um, But copywriting, not so much. He wasn't good at that. Um, And he wasn't sort of able to break through and allow himself to be self-promotional, which is part of the hurdle. So I came in, I rewrote a sales page. In the first month, um, we had an 8x, eight times more monthly sales than he'd ever had. Um, And we had three times the conversion rate, and I was sending almost three times as much traffic to the page as he'd ever done. Um, So... Yeah. So that is that is the kind of result that you can get from copywriting, but it depends where you're starting from. If you're extremely good at it and you're highly optimized and you've done lots of tests already, then it's going to be more of a challenge. But what I would say is if you have decent traffic, say 10,000 or more visitors every month, ideally 50,000 or more, 
then you're really going to want to entertain hiring a copywriter because your volume is such that you're going to see a return faster Mm -hmm. and you're going to be able to learn from testing really, really quickly, which means you'll be able to iterate. The copywriter, if they know what they're doing, can go in and A-B test your headline or your offer or whatever else that um, should be tweaked. But usually those are the two things I would start with. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you have decent traffic, a decent following, um, in particular, right, if you have an audience in place, um, I think it really makes sense at that point to go out and hire a copywriter. But it depends on what you can stomach. You know, um, what I would say is that a copywriter's job is to sell something or to get people to do something. So they're very tied to revenue. Um, so, you know, having a great cover is important, definitely, because it's one of the factors that makes people decide. Um, but also, as you know, the words on the page, wherever that book is being sold, whether it's on your website or a dedicated sales page or on the Amazon store or on Gumroad or whatever, um, that that is closest to the point of purchase. Um, and so that is, uh, I think, a really important thing. Now, if you're saying, hey, you know, I have... 100 monthly visitors and, you know, 20 of my closest friends and family are on my list. Um, I don't think it's time to hire a copywriter. I think it's time to figure out who is that audience that I can connect with. Okay, so you would advise growing first and then only thinking about hiring a copywriter. Yeah, and you know, it's a chicken or the egg problem um, because a lot of people will say, well, wait, how can I resonate with an audience Um (laughs) if my copy is bad. Um, And the truth, you know, again, I would go back to the idea of just being yourself and being true to who you are and being authentic. And, you know, I think what you're going to find is people will connect with that. And then when copy really comes in, when we get lots of strangers coming to us or people who don't know us all that well, um, being able to convey a lot of information in a short amount of time in a way that um, people can connect with quickly, that's the job of the copywriter. Okay, I see. So basically, um, can we say that just, you know, when when you're starting working yourself on writing your copy, you should just make sure that, you know, it's completely different from creative writing, and you should have a separate mindset while writing that. And as you mentioned, one should avoid writing about himself and using the I words and rather yes. focusing on on the potential reader of that text rather than on himself. And uh, what about, I mean, we, we kind of touched that point like slightly, but what about this... Uh, fear of being too self-promotional is there a way to kind of to to guess the right balance is there any trick one can use to to kind of to feel that oh this is too much already or you know oh you know i'm not there yet i can add up a little bit of more promotion in that yeah i mean i think in the early days you need to live outside of your comfort zone a little bit so if you're not pushing yourself to feel a little overly self-promotional, um, you're probably not self-promotional enough when you first start. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> of course, there's always exceptions to that rule, and some people just totally lie about who they are and what they've done. So I am absolutely not suggesting that. You cannot build a sustainable business if you lie to people. Um, so I would never, ever, ever suggest that. Um, what I would say, though, is um, in copywriting and marketing and advertising, we have what's called an avatar or a, a customer persona. Yeah. And, and so I would suggest having one of those. And then when you're being, and, and so basically what that is, let me describe that really quickly. It says, here's my ideal customer. Here's who they are. Here's what they look like. They have a name, not a real name, not a real person. Um, but basically this fictional um, idea of whoever would be the perfect buyer for you. Um, And so what I would ask then is when I sit down and write, I have that customer persona up on my computer and I'm looking at it 
and I ask, would this person think I'm being overly self-promotional or do they actually need to know this information to make an informed decision? Mm-hmm. And if they need the information to make an informed decision, it must stay in. If, they, if you say, you know, this person would tell me that I'm being slimy and I'm adding a bunch of extra stuff that doesn't matter, take it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, clear. Okay, well, we've got uh, lots of information here that the listeners have to absorb <laughs> and come up with their versions of great copy and of how to communicate with their list. So um, let's say just as a wrap up, like, you know, uh, um, the most important advice for the newbie writers who are starting from scratch, who don't have the audiences in place yet, and who are just opening up their very first website. What's the biggest advice, like the most important thing they should take care of? I'm actually going to give you some non-copywriting advice here. Um, You know, I think the most important thing to do first is to build your audience. Um, The best way to build your audience is find other people whose audience would benefit from whatever it is that you have to say. Um, So go other places that are actively or already actively building audiences or have an established audience um, and speak to those people and then start building your email list. Make sure you have lead capture in place. Um, In terms of copywriting, in the beginning, just be yourself. That's that's what I would say. Mm -hmm. Really, really simple advice. Great. Well, thank you very much for coming over. Thanks for sharing your knowledge and, you know, explaining us what it is all about and how to deal with that ourselves before we get those 50,000 visitors and hire a copywriter. <laughs> so thanks a lot. And uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you, uh, you said you also had some resources that uh, the listeners could benefit from. Yeah, absolutely. So um, on my website, you can go to goodfunnel.co slash Annie. That's goodfunnel, G-O-O-D-F-U-N-N-E-L dot co slash Annie, A-N-I. And you can download a um, worksheet that just reflects what we've talked about today, about understanding your audience, um, being passionate in your writing, copywriting, not being creative writing. That'll give you some pointers. And of course, you can bounce around my website, but that's free for anybody listening. Oh, great. Great. Thank you for that as well. So anyone who is interested and wants more details and uh, an actual document to work on, then um, here is where you should go. I will also include the link in the show notes. So um, thank you once again. Thanks for your time. And, uh, you know, I wish you success. Thank you, Annie. I appreciate it. Well, I guess that was it for today. Hopefully now you already know the difference between creative writing and copywriting and the importance of the copywriting in your author entrepreneurial uh, activities. So uh, I hope that you enjoyed the interview. I hope it was useful. I also hope that you will have a few minutes to make sure you subscribe to the podcast and you also leave a review for me so it grows and it reaches more people like you. Take care, have a nice day and don't forget to create. <laughs>